to the Truth In My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Truth In My Days apologetics program. Today, we have Dr. Adrian Torse interviewing John regarding the arguments for the resurrection. We are continuing from last week's program. Hope you enjoy. So let's quickly sum up the ones we've gone through so far, the six arguments, six best arguments for the resurrection. Uh, Number one, the resurrection is supported by the eyewitness testimony of people who were in a position to know and who were themselves difficult to convince. Secondly, number two, this eyewitness testimony is recorded in the gospel books, which were written very early, so there was no chance of legendary accretions. And at a time when there were plenty of eyewitnesses still around, to debunk any false claims the gospel books uh, might make. Number three, the message of the early Christians is not one people would make up, and certainly not one for which people who knew it was a fraud would die for. You do not make up messages like, love your enemy, turn the other cheek, take up the cross, men will hate you for my sake, Uh, something that doesn't give them any goodies in this life. So, It's not a message that would have been made up as a fraud. Number four, we looked at the testimony of Josephus. Josephus was a first century Jewish historian alive at the time of the eyewitnesses. We're told he was not a Christian, and yet he recorded the salient facts about Jesus, including that he did miracles, that he was put to death, and that he appeared again alive to his followers. This could not be accused of bias. Uh, We have noted that liberal skeptics try to claim that this testimony was not authentic, but the evidence shows that it was. Number five, the conversion of the Jews in Jerusalem. We read in Acts 2, 36 and 41, the apostles led by Peter preaching on that wonderful day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit fell on them. He's preaching, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 47, same chapter we read, and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 4, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And Acts 6, we read, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, we think that that's, that's wonderful, but we don't really think about the significance of it. We don't understand that, that Jewish people, certainly in those days, were taught from birth from the cradle, not to worship, bow the knee, and call Lord anyone other than God. There is no other Lord. There's only God. And they would die rather than worship another God. Uh, this is this very moving and tragic record in, in the book of Maccabees when this emperor of the time, Antiochus Epiphanes, the Seleucid emperor that... Uh, controlled Israel at the time, tried to forcibly Hellenize the Jewish people. And he took the high priest and his entire family prisoner, 
and try to get them to eat pork. Also put a statue of Zeus into the temple and sacrificed a pig on the altar. He tried to get uh, the high priest and his family to pork. They refused. And they visited horrible tortures on them. One after another, they refused to do it. They suffered death by torture rather than betray the true God. Every one of the high priests found, except one, one of the, the boys, uh, he said that he would eat the pork, unchain me, I'll eat the pork. They unchained him, and he ran and flung himself into a big pot of boiling material and died that way rather than be tortured. This was their, their kind of their mindset. It drove the Romans crazy at this time. Unlike the other conquered peoples, they were not willing to accept Roman gods. They were not willing to bow the knee and call Lord anyone other than God. So at this point, we have to ask, what convinced thousands of them in short order to bow the knee to Jesus and call him Lord and worship him? What could have prevailed upon them to do that if not the resurrection? If we look at the apostolic preaching everywhere, that is what they were preaching. Acts 2, 22 to 24. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Later on in this, the same uh, sermon, let me speak to you freely of the patriarch David. Being a prophet, he foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption, this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. The two main points in their preaching is always Jesus died and was raised, the resurrection, and we are eyewitnesses. And we see in Acts chapter 3 about Jesus, whom Jesus of Nazareth, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Acts chapter 4, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Resurrection, eyewitness testimony. And thousands and thousands of the Jewish people turned and became saved. Acts chapter 5. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree, and we are his witnesses to these things. Again and again, the resurrection and eyewitness testimony. And you get the point. The only thing that could have convinced the Jews to bow the knee to Jesus as Lord was the resurrection. And there was overwhelming evidence for it. That's why they did it. That's best argument number five. Well, that's pretty impressive that so many people all in one day listening to Peter's words changed their mind or, you know, converted to Christianity. And that's in the face of the disapproval of the prevalent teaching from the high priests, right? Yes, suspect there must have been some kind of uh, wandering going on for that period between Jesus' uh, crucifixion and the day of Pentecost. There must have been some kind of uh, buzz going around about what had happened. They, they were ready at this point. As you said, even Josephus reported on it, and he, the way he reported it almost sounds like a reporter reporting 
an actual regular event. Yes, he was, he was reporting what he himself heard from eyewitnesses. That was the evidence. It's what people believed uh, in those days. And we read this. We read, we read the book of Acts. We read the, the preaching of the early apostles. We look at what they preached. We look at the conversions. But somehow we don't make that connection. It doesn't kick in the idea that, what are they preaching? The resurrection we are eyewitnesses, and thousands of Jewish people would otherwise never bow the knee to Jesus as Lord are doing it. So that, I think, is, is amazing testimony. Best argument number six is what I call the eyewitness challenge. And it's based on something Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 7. Here it says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles." Don't skeptics say this was a colossal bluff on Paul's part? Knowing how difficult travel would be from Corinth to Jerusalem, they wouldn't actually go to check out what Paul said. That, I think, is a non-starter, that challenge. First of all, would they want to check? Think about it. You are living in a society where if you profess belief in Jesus, it will not go well with you. You will face persecution. We saw the Jewish believers being persecuted almost immediately from Acts chapter 8 onwards. And we see persecution in other parts of the, the Roman world as well. So people being asked to convert and considering it know that they will face trouble if they do so. Under those circumstances, why would they convert? Well, only if they believe that the message is true. If they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he can give them everlasting life, then they will convert, even though they face persecution as a result. But on the flip side, nobody would would want to be persecuted for no reason at all. So if the story is not true, they're definitely not going to be converting and facing persecution. So the question then is, can they know? Do they have a way to check? Can they be sure? And Paul is saying, yes, Yes, there are eyewitnesses. There were more than 500 of them. The majority are still alive. So what it is, is a challenge to them. Basically, you can go and check. If you want to know for sure, go and check. And it should be obvious under those circumstances, with those stakes, they would have checked if they possibly could. The skeptics say, well, no, it would be too difficult to get there. Uh, But that's actually not even remotely true. The reality is that uh, all Jewish males were required to make at least one pilgrimage every year to Jerusalem, if they could, for Passover. And that's why in Acts chapter 2, this is Pentecost, another one of those feasts. We read this in verse 5 and then verses 9 to 11. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, 
Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. How come there are Jews from all these different countries? Because they've made the pilgrimage to Israel for this, uh, this feast. So they wouldn't even have to make an extra journey to check. They could check on one of these journeys that they would be making anyway. And if they didn't want to go, the Roman world had a very, very efficient postal system. Uh, so they could certainly send letters to friends there and other people there. So yeah, they would have checked. They could have checked. And think about it. If Paul's story were not backed up, what would have happened? If people came back from checking and reported in Corinth, no, no, Paul's lying. There are not all these eyewitnesses. Never happened. We went there and they told us Jesus would died and stayed dead. Christianity would never have gotten off the ground. Nobody would have believed it. And yet here it is to this day. So this seems to me to be extremely powerful proof that Jesus did rise from the dead. Well, those are good points because, yes, it's true. On the surface, you think they don't have cars. They have to walk. They have women and children. Maybe some livestock is a big hassle. But what we think of a hassle now may not may be just a way of life for them. And they travel back and forth. And certainly at Pentecost, people from different nations gathered. So there's plenty of time to talk and exchange stories. Exactly. That's why I think this is actually an extremely powerful argument for the resurrection. So let's quickly sum up the ones we've gone through so far, the six arguments, six best arguments for the resurrection. Uh, Number one, the resurrection is supported by the eyewitness testimony of people who were in a position to know and who were themselves difficult to convince. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.